Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Okay. Wow. It's the first time filming in a while. Um, Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Hi. Hello. How are you doing? Uh... For those of you guys listening on the podcast, it doesn't really matter. But those of you guys on YouTube, hi, nice to see your face again, or nice for you to see my face again. I don't know, but I'm recording in my new apartment, all those things. So I hope you're doing okay. Um, And today I want to talk about lessons I learned from running my first half marathon, which I think will be helpful. I can relate all those lessons to bulimia recovery. And I think it was just a helpful life or a new life event for me. And I wanted to share about it. But I first want to say, and I'm doing this podcast because this is pertinent to recovery as well. And I just have anxiety and yet not enough energy. Like it feels like my brain is just stalled. (laughs) It really sucks. I hate, I hate that our brains do this. I hate that our bodies does this. I think it's a combination of too much caffeine and yet built up fatigue. And it's just, the brain's like, I don't know what to do. So I got myself to finally record this podcast episode, but man, it's a real bummer um, sometimes with our bodies and something I've just learned to accept and something I think I was resistant to in bulimia, uh, why maybe I struggled with bulimia for long enough, as long as I did, is that I was always resistant to my body being in states of discomfort, either too full, too hungry, too this, too uncomfortable, too anxious, too emotional, too not enough feeling, too happy. I don't know. And I always use bulimia as a way to kind of bring things down. And it sucked. I don't know. But it didn't necessarily help. It didn't solve anything. This feeling now that I'm going through where it's like I'm energetic and in pain at the same time and like mentally foggy and yet have way too much energy to go around. It's almost like just overcharged is what I describe it as and overcharged to the point where it's not helpful is it will go away at some point on its own. It will recalibrate at some point on its own. Don't drink any more caffeine. I just chill. I do this podcast. I do my calls. It's very annoying. It's very unpleasant, but it will go away. And I think you have to wait for that cycle to complete. And if I were maybe in my bulimia self, I probably would have started binging and purging up until this point. But now I know like it will just go away on its own. And I have faith in that. And sometimes you just have to, as a friend would tell me, submit to that discomfort, right? (laughs) To allow it. And eventually it will be okay and it will regulate itself. Um, Of course, I'm not trying to say that there aren't some clinical things going on. If you have clinical levels of anxiety or depression, please go talk to a doctor. But I think for general things like this general anxiety I have, it will go away without intervention. But today I wanted to talk about a few lessons I learned while running my first half marathon. And for those of you guys that don't know, I, and and I'll relate all these lessons to bulimia recovery too. I think it'll be helpful. But for those of you guys that don't know, uh, I ran a 10K this year and I was, I was always kind of into running since I think the pandemic, I got a lot more into running, but uh, never really seriously. But this year I was like, I want to run an actual race. I did an actual race and I think... 
March or April was when the race was. So I ran a 10K, super fun. I ran a 10K, super fun. And then um, the year went on and I I ended up having a crazy year. The summer was insane and I ended up ending a long-term relationship, all those things, and then moving out on my own in Denver. And so originally I had planned to run a half marathon, my first half marathon in Miami for Halloween. I thought it'd be super fun. I used to live in Miami and I love Halloween. I was just like, oh, I want to do this. But it just, as the weeks got closer and my training for the marathon really suffered with all the transitions I was going through, I just didn't want to fork up the money or really spend the time to, to go to Miami and do that. And it just seemed like it wasn't right. It didn't suit me. So I was then looking at local races I could do here in Colorado. And then last week I was just like, I'm sick. Like, of looking at all these races and I have to go sign up and fill out the things and pay like a hundred bucks to do this stupid race. Just that I, and I already paid money for the Miami one. Like, I don't know. It just all seemed like a lot of hoops to go through that I didn't feel like going through. And then I thought about how I don't really care about the race itself. I just want to run a half marathon. And so then I decided, okay, I'm just going to do it this weekend, Saturday morning. I'm going to run a half marathon and we're just going to get it done, get it over with. And not that I was dreading it, but I was just like, I want to do it for myself. I don't really care if I get a medal at the end of it or anything. That's not important to me. I just want to do it because I said I wanted to do it. And I wanted that experience and I want that new PR all that sort of stuff. And so I set out to do it. And uh, it actually turned out to be a really good time. And I'm very happy that I did it solo, but it was a completely solo half marathon. Um, if, if anyone was wondering what I did. But um, I ran it solo minus the help of a friend who I they found out I was doing the marathon. And they're like, you're going to run this half marathon completely on your own. And you're not going to have any water during the whole time. And I was like, oh, no, it's I mean, I ran 10 miles before. And usually just at the end of the 10 miles, especially on hot days, I'm like thinking about water a lot. But otherwise, it's fine. And they're like, no, 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 no. So they brought me, um, you know, electrolytes and water multiple times throughout the run. And they met me on the trail and then picked me up at the end of it, got me a beer and <laughs> all these things. And so they were really, really sweet and helped me out a lot, um, which is another lesson I'll talk about in a second, but it was, it ended up being fun. But the first things I'll say, just the overall experience of it, um, it sucked. The run was awful. And I really didn't expect it to be that bad. I ran 10 miles before. So I was like, oh, three more miles. That's not a big deal. But I don't know if it was, I know a few reasons why it was not as good this time, but, um, I didn't expect it to be that hard and I didn't expect to want to quit as much as I did. Um, especially I think about halfway through and then uh, the last three miles were completely awful. And I know sometimes people they experience during the last three miles or last mile, a second wind, but it just, the last three miles for me were just dragging my feet. I ended up falling into this manhole and luckily I didn't sprain my ankle or anything, but I banged up one of my shins pretty bad. And it just was like, it felt like I was dragging myself across the finish line much more than I thought. I thought it'd be rough and I thought it wouldn't be amazing, but I didn't think it'd be that hard. But I'm still glad that I did it. And at the end of the day, I'm, it's an accomplishment that will never be taken away from me. And I do want to continue running and all those things. But I will tell you basically step by step what I learned. <laughs> We're getting all, all over the place. One, I learned that um, you have to be willing to let things go and rebuild from the ground up. And so something that part of the reason the race was so awful for me, the run was awful. And why my time, I think I finished at like 2.30, which isn't 
it isn't a great time for someone running a half marathon. It's not the worst time ever, but it's not great. Um, That's okay. The reason my time was so bad was partly because my training wasn't as ideal before it. And I really went in being like, oh, we'll just do it. We ran 10 miles before at some point. It's fine. So I should train better. But also my form just wasn't that good. And I thought I'd gotten better with form, but it's it became incredibly obvious that I need to do so much more work on my running form. And I need to start doing drills. I need to start doing proper training specifically for running. If I ever want to progress in this sport without completely destroying my body. At the end of the race, my feet, they're still recu- recouping. Like they were so raw. I chose the wrong socks to wear too, but they were just literally raw. Um, I about think about like mile seven, they were raw and I just had to keep on running and like go through that pain, but it was awful. And that's because my feet spin out a lot when I run, they're not as stable. They're not as um, coordinated as they should be. And then um, my, uh, I don't think my glutes were as activated as they should have been. So I was using my hip flexors a lot more than what was needed. I wasn't usually letting gravity be in my favor. And so the whole time during the run, especially after mile six, it started getting worse and worse. I'm like, wow, I thought about how you can bullshit three to six miles, no problem. But 10, 13, 20, there's no way I was thinking about in the run, like how could I ever do a marathon like this? And I want to be able to do a marathon. I need to break everything down, strip everything down, correct everything, and then start over. And that means slowing down. It means not getting the mileage that I want. It means taking a hit to my ego and really just Really be like, no, you you can't push through this. You can't keep doing this. This isn't sustainable, or you're gonna have to keep on going. And I thought a lot about how my dad, he's had two hip replacements. My grandma had to have three because one of her hip replacements went bad. So it's like in my family, my dad used to be a runner, um, that hips aren't great. So we really need to take care of them. And I was like, if you want to be run for a long time, you need to change things. But how this relates a lot in bulimia recovery is you really to recover from bulimia. It's not that you have to completely change who you are. Part of your core identity will always be the same, but you have to start from square one with blame your recovery. Even if you've known a lot of stuff in recovery, even if you've read all the books, all those sorts of things, I think there's so much merit. If things aren't working, just completely start fresh, take an inventory in everything you're doing right now, and then rethink everything and restart it. And maybe you find with that inventory, you're actually not doing everything that you said you should be doing or things that you're doing aren't working. Like you start all, you still are restricting and that's because of a fundamental belief or you're still um, not eating certain, certain foods groups or you're not really pausing, you're not really taking the time to have a schedule that sets you up so that you don't want to binge and purge at the end of the night. You're not treating yourself very nicely. To recover from bulimia, you have to break down all of those behaviors and habits and really rethink and relearn how to eat food, how to treat yourself differently, how to think about food and exercise differently. It's a complete shift of your lifestyle. Um, and that's really hard and it makes you kind of slow down. You, you literally have to slow down your life a little bit for it. Things take you longer. Doing rudimentary seemingly easy things like eating food takes you longer. But in that process of taking you longer, just like it'll take me longer to probably run um, for a little while while I'm relearning form, because I'll want to just go revert back to my old form, just like we want to revert back to our old habits, taking the long road and taking a little bit more time to get the finesse down and all that sort of stuff, the form of it will pay off and will help you then be much better later on. And so you have to kind of let go of your pride and ego when it comes to these things and just be willing to 
burn it all to the ground and then start over again. I remember in art school that became a very, very important thing is that people became so attached to their drawings and their artwork. And really what you needed to learn was that nothing's super special. You need to just move on from it really quickly. And that's how you learn and become better. I have been taking an art class recently and something funny, one of my art instructor did, who's wickedly talented, he'd give tutorials each one, um, each class. And we were doing these figure drawing classes and he, um, he was looking for a piece of paper to teach us something, a tutorial. And he took the tutorial from last class and since it's charcoal, it's easily erasable. And he just this beautiful piece of artwork, he just swathed over it and just erased it all with no thought, no care, didn't, didn't, didn't give two shits about it. And I was like, wow, that's what real mastery is. That's what real talent is, that you really, you're willing to just let it all go because you know you can create something better and it's not important. It's so almost small to you. It's insignificant. Um, it's insignificant to the long-term goal, right? And therefore you're willing to let it go. And so this run for me was really a good lesson on being willing to let things go, being willing to start over, being willing to not be attached to anything you had in the past and being willing to um, be a learner at heart, a student at heart and relearn everything. Uh, and that's really, really important for bulimia recovery too. So that was part of the run. I definitely need to get better form. And I've been watching running videos obsessively this week. And I will this weekend to try to just learn everything I can so that I can correct some of those things and probably have a trainer actually look at my running gait and see everything I need to do because it needs help. Like, let me tell you, my friend filmed some of me running and I was like, oh, oh no. Yeah, this is why I'm so slow. This is why this was so painful and awful um, for me. Um, and then the the second lesson I learned is that you don't need to do everything alone, at, even if you can do it alone. So I'm sure I would have been able to do that half marathon by myself solo. I didn't need any water. I didn't need anyone to bring me electrolytes. I didn't need anyone to pick me up. I could have gotten an Uber. Um, I didn't need, I could have just ran halfway out and then all the way back. I could have gotten some water at 7-Eleven. I could have done all those things. But it was so much easier and so much better. And I was so grateful for the support I had on that run. Um, much more than I realized, I was thinking on the run how much it would have sucked not having anyone there for me. It was just purely nice. Even if that person hadn't done anything else other than cheer me on through text messages, it was nice to have someone that cared, you know? And for you out there, I think finding bulimia recovery, we think we should do it all on our own. I hear that a lot, especially with people debating coaching or not and that sort of thing. They're like, I should be able to do it on my own. And it's like, well, yeah, I think anyone can do it on their own. And I would never advocate that you can't do something on your own, but it's way better when you have someone guiding you along and helping you and supporting you when you are falling down. Um, we're definitely a social creatures. We thrive with each other. We build amazing things together. No one man created anything, right? We all bounce off of each other's ideas, others' ideas, others, um, thoughts and uh, creations and inventions and things that they put out into the world. They just, everyone, everyone's self impacts each other. And it's really, I think that we, there's too much of a culture where it's just, we have to be totally alone and isolated and do everything ourselves. I am all for some independence and I'll get to that in my next point actually, but this run was so much more fun with people. And I also texted my family and they aren't in the state, but they were cheering me on and all those things. And a few friends I had, they also knew I was doing it. So it just was better. 
and um, actually I really needed the help much more. I didn't necessarily need it. Yes, I would have been fine, but it would have been much harder. My recovery would have been longer and I would have suffered a lot more on that race if I hadn't had help. And so it's like, yeah, you can get there, but why not take the help? And I also thought about something a friend said to me. Um, They said, take help from those who want to give it to you and love you. So I, I think some of us, we've experience people giving us help, but it's under conditions, you know, it's help, but it's not really like they are expecting something from that help. Be sure that when you're taking help from people, take it from the people that are genuinely giving it to you because they love you. There's no expectations from it and they care and they just want to see you uh, thrive and they want to help you get there and they're doing it from a genuine place of love. Don't take conditional help. And the people in my life for the race were definitely just giving it from a place of love and caring and there were no strings attached. And um, that's the kind of caring and support you want to surround yourself from, not the people that are trying to, to give you help in order to use you. Um, I think there's a difference. So be able to receive help and um, we're more powerful together, I think is a lesson I've learned from this. I, I've learned it before, but I need to learn it. I've never been good at um, accepting help and I've never been good at um, being with others. I definitely developed hyper-independence from a young age and that served me well. It serves us well to be hyper-independent. You know, we have to be able to do things on our own, but it doesn't always help you as things go on, especially if you were trying to do 13 miles, it doesn't help. All right. And then the last thing I had was doing things yourself is powerful. So this goes in the exact opposite of what I was saying, but it's not, it's not what you think. So the last thing I think I learned was that, I don't know, you are, your opinion and what you think of yourself and doing things for yourself is extremely motivating and powerful and inspirational. And on that run, I talked a lot about how awful it was. Um, again, like the first six miles were great, peachy. And my playlist is listening to all these happy musics, music. And then suddenly it just became really awful. And you'll see, if you look at my playlist, I started adding songs that were just super dark and super angry because I'm just like hating the run for the last half of it. But um, the run was awful in a lot of ways. But what kept me going, I thought a lot about during the race about quitting and stopping at seven miles, at eight miles, at nine miles. I was just every single mile I had to negotiate with myself as, as to why I could quit and then why I wanted to keep going. And I thought about the people that knew, the friend that was supporting me during the race, and then also the people that knew. I had told my followers I was going to do uh, a half marathon at some point. So there was that little bit of peer pressure of, you know, it's going to suck to tell people I didn't fully complete it, especially when I was so close. But I then started, especially near the end, when like every step was killing my foot. Like I walking on raw feet, especially girls or whoever, when you're wearing heels and for a long time, that rawness, that rubbing, it just was excruciating and every step was pain. Um, I really then it wasn't even about other people. And then I had fallen into this manhole and I didn't realize it, but I knew like I bruised it up pretty bad. I didn't think I got um, uh, a crack or anything in my bone, a splint, uh, shin, like uh, what I forget what they're called, a fracture or anything like that. But I knew it hit pretty hard. And I was kind of, every run was kind of hurting. Every step was hurting my shin as well. And I was bleeding and all these things, but there were, there was much more justification to stop after that. I was like, you know, people would understand like why why do we have to keep on going but then it came down to but i said i wanted to do this and 
I want to be able to keep on running and I want to run a marathon someday. This isn't even the end. Like I want to be able to keep on being a runner. This is important to me. And so it, then I had to bring it, bring it to me. And I was like, why is this important to me? Why do I want to keep on going? And I just thought about my past self who couldn't even run one mile at one point. Like it's just one mile was too much for her and how proud she would have been to, to see me finish that, even under all that pain and all that stress. And then my future self who really wanted to keep on running and wanted to learn how, what it's like to push through hard things. And I was like, you know, yeah, no one would blame me if I stopped and everyone would understand and they would be kind to me and they would love me anyway. And I would understand. It's not that I would beat myself up if I didn't push through, but I'd be disappointed. And I want to be able to do this, to know what it's like to push through hard things. And if I can do this, what else can I do? This is kind of a vote for my future self that we can, in fact, figure this out. And I know after this race, we're going to have to correct a bunch of things. We have to really relearn a bunch of things if we ever have hope in doing this. But I know right now I can run one more mile. I can run two more miles. I can do that. And so something that was very powerful to me is thinking about why do I want to do it, regardless of what anyone else thinks. And that was the most motivating thing to me because at the end of the day, and this is important for bulimia in the terms of people can only motivate you so much. It has to be for you at some point. And I thought about the reasons why I wanted to. I wanted to do it so that I could prove that I can push through hard things, that I understand how to push through hard things, that it is important because I and I alone am watching. I alone and I know that I did or didn't do it. And that's much more important than what anyone else thinks. I think with bulimia and binge eating, purging, at times I've been tempted to binge or purge again, um, there is that external pressure of, you know, it's literally my career to help people recover from bulimia. And then going back to bulimia myself would be a huge identity crisis. And then I'd have to tell people um, what is going on. But ultimately, I could not say something about that, right? I could just sweep it under the rug. But I would know. And living with that guilt, that nagging feeling, that knowing is just, it's not a good way to live. It's just this dissonance between who you say you are and who you think you are. And acting in accordance with that seemed very important to me. And for bulimia recovery, I think when you're trying to stop binge eating, you're trying to stop um, purging, you're trying to stop all those behaviors, thinking about why you and you alone care that you don't want to do it is going to be much more motivating, especially in those moments where no one's watching, no one knows, no one really cares. You care though, and you are your most important thing. And when you do that, when you do things just for you and you alone, it really shows yourself how much you value your own opinion and how much you love yourself because your opinion was important enough to follow through with, right? Like we're always doing things for other people. And we're always like, I'll bend over backwards for this person. But do we ever bend over backwards for ourselves? This was a moment for me where I was like, I'm I'm really bending over backwards to <laughs> adhere to what my past self and present self and future self want. Um, and it is hard work, but doing that for myself, I was so proud of it, right? And feeling pride and love for yourself after something like that is such a good feeling. It's almost a spiritual experience. So um, while you need others, your opinion also is one of the most important ones to motivate you. And um, I don't know, it's just taught me a lot about how much I value myself by doing these things. And I think the more you can do things you really want to do and then actually accomplish them and, or at least do your very, very best to accomplish them. Even if you fail, like, you know, you gave it your 90, hundred percent effort and you got so far because of it. 
that teaches you so much more about self-worth than I think anything else can. Um, and it's so much more about, I don't know, your thoughts and beliefs against yourself rather than anything external. So those are what I learned from running a half marathon. It was a little, I did an episode a while back about the lessons I learned from a 10k and it's funny I think I talked about form then but like it's very obvious that my form still needs to improve quite a bit so I'll be doing that but those are the lessons the top lessons I learned um other than that like have water get a camel back if you're going to run more than eight miles especially in the sun um just do it and uh anyone I don't know if you want to do something do it and and take a leap. And even if you can't join an official race or anything, you can do it on your own. Uh, okay, so I'll let you guys go. I'm doing a challenge this month for November, the week Thanksgiving week here in America. So I think it's going to be, let me look, I think it's starting the 18th through the 22nd. Those dates aren't completely affirmed, but it's coming up. If you want to sign up for that, um, there'll be a sign up link on my website at bingebakers.com. And we just had our free call this past Thursday, the 9th. There'll be another free call uh, next month in December. I'm going to try to do this monthly. So uh, keep an eye on those things. And then is there anything else? Oh, I have seven spaces available for um, private coaching. So if you are interested in that, you like the podcast, you've been listening to me for a while, you do need help and you're like, I kind of heard what she said about like doing it on my own. You're like, I can do it on my own, but it's really sucking. I'd like guidance and support from someone book a consult with me. You can book it on my website, bingebakers.com, and we'll talk for 30 minutes. The consults are not just skeezy sales calls. They are really about, I always ask people when they come on the call, what are you hoping to get out of this call? And I ask that question first, because I want to know then directly how to guide the call for them and offer them anything that they're looking for. And then we can talk at the end, whether coaching is a good fit or not, and come up with a plan for you. And if you want to work together, then we'll then talk about that. So, um, if you're interested, book a consult there. And then otherwise, I'll let you guys go. Winter's coming. <laughs> Winter is here. The leaves are almost all down and everything. Um, I hope you're having some cozy nights, um, having some cocoa maybe soon or something like that, and staying warm and enjoying this winter. I was thinking a lot about, I always heard, I don't know, people that <laughs> irked me probably because I had some issues going on, but about how winter is a time to rest and recuperate. And one of my clients said, when it's snowing outside and you can't go out, it's such a nice excuse not to do anything, just to cozy up and cuddle. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm the type of person that would just go to the gym or like still try to do something. Um, which I don't think is necessarily bad, but use this time as winter, even though it's hard because, you know, the weather's not as nice and you can't go out as much to just be reflective, to rest more, to, um, to, to be more introspective to enjoy having peaceful times right this is the season for a reason i don't know if there's any really reason for the seasons other than how the earth rotates in the sun but if there were a reason it's a reason to rest it's an excuse to rest and you deserve that okay i don't know what i'm saying at this point i'm gonna let you guys go thank you so much for listening never give up on yourself bye